could start recording here. We're doing Daniel right now, and we figured out very early on that for most of it, we just need to do one chapter. <laughs> normally, we do like four chapters of text, and we got into Daniel, and I had it set up, you know, and I had it like, and we went, well, there's one chapter, and let's call it a day because I'm exhausted. <laughs> <That was intense. laughs> And um, today we're doing Daniel 7, so uh, maybe we'll get half a chapter. I don't know. We'll <laughs> it's, it's um, I, I do want, you know, we've got, again, the looking at the book divides into two parts. One through six is the court tales. Well, we're in seven, so we're done with that now. Now we've moved into the four apocalyptic visions. But I want to go back to something that we talked about when we did our introduction to Daniel, which is the distinction that's drawn uh, within, within uh, Jewish study and Hebraic study between uh, prophecy and Ruach HaKodesh, or divine inspiration. Have you done any reading on that? I found that incredibly fascinating and, and answered all of the things that I have been listening to teachings about prophecy and going, no, no, that's just wrong. No. Um, you know, and, and so the divine inspiration, the, the Ruach HaKodesh, very, very strong with Daniel, very um, present with him. You know, he has a dream or the king has a dream and he understands the dream and he interprets the dream. Um, but it's not, it, it's very different from Ezekiel who says, and I opened my eyes and there I was standing in the throne room of God and I saw this before me and this before me. So, so Daniel's aware that it's a dream and, and he knows God is teaching him things and revealing things to him. Um, but, but the distinction is really important and, and not, not because one is more important than the other. Because, as the thing that we were, were reading was saying, sometimes God reveals more and gives deeper understanding through Ruach HaKodesh than he does through a prophetic vision. And so, it's to me, the distinction is more for us because we live in a church that does not seem to distinguish and wants to call everybody a prophet who has a dream and knows what it means. And a lot of damage is being done because of that. And, you know, I, I am growing as we work through this and as I was preparing for today, even more impressed with Daniel's humility in everything that he does. And, and he's not, he's not out there drawing attention to himself. In fact, the only time he spoke, the reason he spoke up initially is he was about to be killed so he was like, okay, God, if you don't want us to die, let me know what the dream is. <laughs> I'll go deal with it. And every time he's been elevated, he's like, well, if they kill me for praying, they kill me for praying. Okay. You know, and so, so there's not, he's not like the Chaldeans who are in there going, oh, king, who is wonderful and who should see us above everybody else and who should ignore the fact that we're plotting against your friends and you are wonderful and awesome and, you know, he's just doing his thing and being faithful and honoring God and God is raising him for these purposes. And, um, you know, so now, now we're going to have... Um, 
Daniel ends up having his dream. And what one of the things that I've done, and I know I know Jeff has probably studied this dream out extensively few years ago yeah but you're gonna you're gonna remember more than probably I ever learned about it because I and I told them honestly there's a reason we've done all the other parts of the bible before we jumped into the prophets and it's because I am very very aware it's not opening up hmm is it gonna do its thing do your thing awesome program when it works yeah I know I'm like uh but it's on. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Um, but it's, it's, um, I, I don't mind reading the prophets. I, I enjoy reading the prophets and I, I enjoy studying the prophets. What, what always gives me pause is the idea of teaching on the prophets because there's so much junk out there, and and I don't want to contribute to that. I, I kind of feel like, um, you know, well, most of the stuff, good and bad, has all been said. And but I I want to, um, as we go through it, what I hope comes across in the recordings, and then when I do the transcription, um, as I get that going, what I hope comes across is is an attempt to read, understand, respect, and not go beyond. And, and maybe insight into the process of how you can do that, how you can study the prophets and not make that giant leap into suddenly now thinking you're a prophet called to go quote them all to everybody on Facebook and in your life and tell everybody what they all mean. So one of the things that, that I did today is I found, um, I found a really great Jewish resource that has some commentary notes uh, on the different things, and I found a very typical, actually, endtime.com, that will <laughs> tell us all of the, the ideas that, you know, that especially are going on in modern U.S. doctrinal study, and um, and and I, I want to compare them, and both and compare them both to the text, and and I want to look at what goes way beyond what seems to respect the text, and and basically look at how we can study and give honor to the word without. And because in the end, if prophecy is about the end time beyond us. We need to know that we won't fully understand it till it happens. We can understand the prophecy that was prior to us fulfilled, and where there's reference to things that may come later, we can interpret them in light of that. But this idea that the prophecies are for us, and therefore we can understand them, it's arrogant. It's just arrogant. And, and doing that shows a lack of respect for the word and for the purpose and for how prophecy and, and how, you know, visions and, and apocalyptic things have been handled throughout history prior to us. And so, um, you know, I, I just want to kind of look at that and kind of look at how it all 
it, it all comes together. So in the first year of Belshazzar, okay, king of Babylon. So we're back to Babylon now. Okay, in our, in our court chronology, we're all the way into Persia. But now we're jumping back to Belshazzar. Belshazzar, who was, uh, you know, getting drunk with everybody and had all the things from the temple brought in so they could eat and drink out of them and, and enjoy them at their party. And that, the hand of, you know, the hand came and wrote on the wall and said, you're done. And that night he was dead. Measured. Yeah, you can wait and measure it found lacking. Did, did you see in that too that the reason he was doing that was because he believed the 70 years of Isaiah had come to a close? We, we did not address that. And now that you mention that, I do, I have. And that's why he thought oh, the, God, the God lied to yeah. these people. So he was wrong. I've won. I'm holding this big party. And he found out that he wasn't wrong. He wasn't <laughs> wrong. And maybe he shouldn't have thought he could interpret that prophecy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is a perfect, a perfect illustration of that. When we think we've got it nailed down to when that 70 years is, or when, you know, this is clearly what it means, maybe think that, but don't pull in the temple things and, <laughs> and celebrate your wisdom. <laughs> so, so in the first year of Belshazzar, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head, and just as another aside right here, we talked about how Daniel went into that and how when Daniel had gone into Nebuchadnezzar with his dream, you're going to go live in a field for seven years and be an ox, he was afraid. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, nope, come and tell me, don't worry about it. But when all that happened with Belshazzar, he was like, dude, you're out of here. You're dead. You, you, you're done. I don't want your robes. Give a gold to somebody else. You're done. And this, and we talked about what changes he had gone through in order to be able to go to Belshazzar that way, the clarity that he had. So now this is going to give us some insight into that because prior to that, he had this dream. Okay. So it, um, Daniel saw, saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Okay. Again, that clarification, why it's not considered prophecy. It was a dream. It was a vision. He was aware of that. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. So he wrote down the dream and the interpretation. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. Um, if you remember from our... Revelation studies, C very often speaks to the spiritual or the, the realm of the souls, not necessarily ocean or Mediterranean Sea or, you know. So, so did he dream of an ocean? Maybe it was pictured that way. Did he necessarily mean that when he wrote it? We don't know for sure, but looking at how that's generally interpreted, Probably the realm of souls, <laughs> not yep, just a big body of water. That might tie into revelations there is that it's a, the four winds of heaven. Yeah. The Hebrew word ruach there could mean spirit or, and then if you think about the four beasts around the throne, mm -hmm. that, and that's at a higher level than the sea. So those right. four beasts 
may have been what stirs up sure. the seed, which then affects the earth, the physical realm. Right. And keeping in mind, like we talked about in Revelation, the things that are going on at the different levels, that sometimes what's going on in the throne room of God is breaking through into the physical world. It's like even when we lived in Japan, as when I was a kid, um, they believed there that, that strange storms that stirred up out of nowhere were evidence of warring in heaven breaking through you know, and there have been lots of times where the things that are going on are so clearly spiritual, and there's this giant storm surrounding it, and I just think, you know, which is one reason you can have peace in the storm, because you know how it's going to turn out. You know it's all going to be fine. You don't have to go, oh, the winds, you know, and then issue on the boat, and this, the stuff that was going on spiritually that was breaking through into the physical, and he's like, don't you get it? You know, why? this is water. So he's seeing the sea, you know, the, the, four, the four winds. Um, he says, so the, and these four creatures. So the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. Okay? Now, I'm going to read two little commentaries, and we're going to kind of compare it. We're going to compare them to each other. Um, the first one is from uh, Chabad.org, and it says, The first one was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. And I believe this is, this is Rashi's commentary on it. Just, and, and I could have picked anybody's commentary on it, and there's you know a thousand different commentaries on it. So I'm, I, I'm not trying to do a good-bad uh, as in, this is right, this is wrong. I'm just trying to say, let, like I said before, let's look at what honors the text versus what... That's what Rashi does. Right. His is a Peshat level right. commentary. Yeah, it's just very, it's very basic. It says, it was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. That is the kingdom of Babylon, which was ruling at that time. And so did Jeremiah see it in 4.7. A lion has come up from its thicket, and he says also in 4840, like an eagle, he shall soar. Okay, so he's using prophecy to understand prophecy. He's, he's looking at the historical context of where Daniel was. Is it more likely that Daniel had a dream about something relevant to his day or something relevant to 2020? You know, there, are there implications for 2020? I mean, yes, absolutely, yes. But it had to start in his day. You know, there, he wasn't just having some strange vision that he didn't understand, you know. Like, he didn't, because it says he explains it. So he doesn't get up and go, oh, my God, I hope in 2020 they figured this out. You know, <laughs> that wasn't the end of the chapter. So, so he says, until its wings were plucked. So Rashi says, its wings were plucked, which is an allusion to its downfall. So the downfall of Babylon. And it was taken from the earth. He says, an expression of being removed from the earth, an allusion to the curtailment of the kingdom from the world. So not just defeated, but Babylon's done. They're done. And because we've talked, you know, the, the, like the Assyrians kept coming back. You know, they get taken over and then they come back and they get taken. And Egypt, you know, is, has its rises and its falls. And, and so this isn't, this isn't, they're going to be defeated. This is, they're done. And the heart of a mortal, 
Um, so it's given, it says the mind of a man was given to it or the heart of a man was given to it. Uh, and he says, it, it's the word Aram. It says an expression of weakness, like in Psalms 921, let the nations know that they are forever mortal men. So be thinking who can understand the mind of God. You know, they, he's, he's limited in his understanding. So that's Rashi's thoughts about the first beast. Now, from endtimes.com, we have <clears throat> Daniel's lion is England, whose coat of arms carries three lions. The eagle's wings removed from the lion represent the United States, which we know separated from England during the American Revolution. What? Wow. <laughs> and I'm like... Wow. Where are the verses you're referencing from the other prophets to support this? This is a website called endtime.com. So do, do you see the difference? <laughs> like it's, it's like like Mac truck hit you difference. And, and this is more often what's studied and taught. I mean, when people in America today, you know, want to, what? What does the Bible say about the end times? Oh, endtimes.com. They must know something. Oh, my gosh. We're the eagle. That makes, if you, like, totally wholeheartedly engulf in that, it makes you want to throw away this part after reading that. Because you're like, okay, well, it's like this revelation of this one little segment of history, America being. England yeah. and then the yeah, like so he had this great big vision for just <laughs> yeah that's a yeah we are so important that God had Daniel have a vision about us back in Babylon yeah and bottom <laughs> line if you read that this vision that way you'd be like we might as well do whatever we want to do right we're done we're done <laughs> right we're out because we're not even gonna be in the next the last of it whatever and that's what people say. That's why a lot of people say when people go, if this doesn't stop, it's going to be the end of America. And then other people respond, counterpoint, America is not mentioned among the, the countries that are discussed in all the prophecies. And I'm going. Wow. But we're a melting pot of all countries. Right, right. And there are issues that come yeah. to us. And, right. and we do matter in the sense that there is stuff for us. But it's not about us. No, never was. <laughs> and, and, and that arrogance that, you know, combine that with, and I'm not saying that this is completely a bad way to approach Scripture. I think it is one facet of how amazing Scripture is. But if you are taught, well, the Bible is just a love letter to us. And it's about, you don't have to study it because it's the living word. It's what God brings to your mind as understanding. Well, God wrote me this love letter, and he's talking about an eagle. This is about me. And, and it's... Craziness comes. Craziness and weirdness. And, and people looking at, at... Jewish people looking at the church going, What? What the, what the, what? <laughs> okay. Clearly we have nothing in common. And, and when this happens, they're right. I mean, read Rashi and read this and you go, like it's discordant. It, it, it's physically painful to go from one to the other. 
I, he needs to drag that out. Said, you need to drag out the lessons. <laughs> so, and behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. Anybody want to guess who that is? <laughs> Not on Rashi, on, on our... It's, it's got to be Russia, clearly. <laughs> so another beast, a second one, like a bear, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, arise, devour much flesh. Wow. So... Rashi says, you know, and there was another one that emerged second from the sea, um, meaning came next, not just these four all, ah, you know, raised up together, um, but Babylon falls, and then another beast is raised up. This represents the kingdom of Persia, which will reign after Babylon, who eats and drinks like a bear and is enwrapped in flesh like a bear. Uh, it is spelled... Um, that all backwards without a vav. This is where we're not having my Hebrew notes. Doesn't serve me well. Are you able to read the Hebrew better? It's got uh, vav, uh, dalet. I'm gonna say a hey. No, but it's not it's a hey. No, it's head. it's a head. It's this is where we'd have to. I'd have to look it up. But the Aramaic, uh, so basically, basically the way that it's spelled, it's it has the so letters can be arranged. Bear. Yeah. Okay. It it can be become bear, and the Aramaic for a wolf for the kingdom of Persia was also called a wolf. As it said, therefore a lion smote them. A wolf of the desert spoils them. So resembling a bear, there there's language play going on there in the Hebrew, though, that. Um, there was just one word I would I would that it, they've got like three different words that they're comparing and I'm and I'm it's above my it's above my Hebrew to do that so um, so they're so resembling a bear but but it can also be a wolf and it says and it stood to one side indicating that when the kingdom of Babylon terminates Persia will wait one year when Medea will reign so when Belshazzar died it was the king of the Medes who came in. And we saw him crowned, and then the very next thing, you know, we're we're Persia. You know, it's like not a whole lot of not a whole lot of mead stuff in there. But they waited a year, um, and there were three ribs in its mouth. Uh, Aram's three ribs. Our sages explained that three provinces were constantly rebelling against Persia, and making peace with it. Sometimes it would swallow them, and sometimes spit them out. That is the meaning of in its mouth, between its teeth. Sometimes outside its teeth, sometimes inside. But I say that the three are three kings who will rise from Persia. Cyrus, Ahasuerus, and Darius, who built the temple. Okay? Not me, I, but the commentary, I. Just yeah, for the, the, the recording. Okay. So, so, um, and it might be both. Yeah. It could be representative of both things. You know, that there's these three... And then there's also these three. So, um, intimes.com will tell us Russia, whose national symbol is a bear. And it seems obvious. We read this today, 
if it's a word for us today, obviously this country is Russia. Might it? Might might there be indication of? Maybe should we be that certain? I don't think so. Um, the things things that haven't happened yet, we should be a little more humble about. I think. So it says, "Arise, devour much, much flesh," which they do. Um. Turn now. I don't, I don't, I don't know what they've got. Oh no, those aren't the ones. I, I was thinking these, these had them on, but that's different. Um, so it says, after this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left. Okay, no. Did I go to the fourth one? Okay, going back. I'm sorry. I got distracted. Um, four wings. So a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back and four heads and dominion was given to it. So Rashi tells us they are the four rulers to whom Alexander of Macedon allotted his kingdom at his death. <coughs> as it is written in the book of Joseph Ben-Gurion, book 3, chapter 14, for this third beast is the kingdom of Antiochus, and it is called uh, the leper because it issued decrees upon Israel which were spotted and varied from one, one from the other. And dominion was given it, meaning dominion was given it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, God, God allowed it to do God allowed it to have the power. What it did with it may or may not have been right, but God gave them the power and allowed them to do those things. Um, now, Daniel's leopard, according to endtimes.com, is Germany, whose leopard tanks have been used predominantly in European armies since their introduction in the 1960s. We can understand the four heads of this leopard by remembering that Germany's Third Reich historically attempted to gain world dominion during World War II and that the Fourth Reich is emerging in our time. The leopard Daniel saw also had bird's wings, which represent France and its national symbol of a rooster. <laughs> France and Germany have not only collaborated on the design of leopard tanks, but both countries are also founding members of the European Union. I mean, clearly, that makes sense. Daniel only thought he understood his dream. And I mean, at a certain point, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> huh. All right. And I think part of the problem then is that people think prophecy is to be used to tell the future. Yeah. When all it really is, is when God created, he occluded his light from this creation. And it's in a process of steady revelation. Mm -hmm. And his word is a revelation. What he's done with prophets, or in Daniel's case, because he's not really considered a prophet. He's right. considered a, 
he understood Here. the dream. Yeah. He, he, he saw things in the dream. A prophet is connected to God, <clears throat> and they're seeing spiritual things. Right. And they're revealing it to us. But the problem is they're seeing spiritual matters and trying to explain to us in a physical world what, what their perception of the spirit is. It's very hard to do. <laughs> and, and that's the problem is that we read this and think we're supposed to read it at a Peshat level, and all prophecy is so it's, right. it's the it's the symbols, right. and they're just seeing something in the spiritual world, and they're trying to explain them in symbols that will help us maybe perceive it. That's why it's like of this, right. and and it yeah. it resembled this because you've never seen this thing in the throne room of God, and I don't even know how to explain it yeah, to you yeah, except to best. call upon some things that are kind of like it. Looks like. Yeah. <laughs> And it's the idea of perception. It's like the second song we sang, there was a place in there where it's referred to God who's above all other gods. And it's like, from our perspective, that maybe seems true. But when you get outside of the physical, in the spiritual world, there is, well, even in our physical world, the truth is there's nothing but God. Right. There is right. no other gods, period. Right. But if you're, if you're only looking at life from our perspective here in a physical world, we perceive there's other gods. Pe people of the nations do. But when you truly get connected to the truth of the Shema, you understand that it's all God. All existence we right. see can't be here except for his existence. Right. So he's the only true existence. Well, and we've talked also, <clears throat> and we were looking at with Job, but also at the beginning of Daniel, the idea that there are people who are really searching and there are people who seem to be connected to something spiritual, and, and we are all limited in expressing it within our context and in our understanding and in what we've been taught. So if you're somebody who's connected to God, but you grew up in another country under a different religious system, your understanding and, and your, you know, may be different and your ability to express it may be limited and your ability to express it in a way that what you're saying resonates with what I believe might be hindered. But that doesn't mean you're not really connected to God. And, and this is, this is that, that arrogance again where we assume that our experience and our understanding and our language is the right one and want to call everybody else to that because then we know that they know the right thing where we really need the humility to understand. I mean, yes, we're limited in our ability to explain just like they are. And, and this is what resonates with us, and this is how we understand it, and these might be the words we can best express it. But this idea that we then need to not go and share God and his love with everybody, but make sure everybody's expression of what that means is comfortable to us, it treads. It treads on some boundary issues. It treads on on cultural sensitivity issues. It treads on amerocentrism and, and this idea that clearly we have, I mean, but I mean, come on, Daniel wrote this about us. Of course you all need to come and, and understand our words and our expression of it. Our language is obviously the best one. 
And our, illustri- our analogies, our, our, our metaphors, our imagery is the right one as opposed to stepping back and saying, what do you mean when you say those words? What is it you're trying to explain? Can you show me this, you know, in your writings, you know, there are so many times, and I <laughs> shared so many times, um, and, and I, don't, I don't think I put this on any of the recordings, but um, I, I have friends who are part of a Celtic grove, and, and they, they are learning about spiritual things in that way. And, you know, I've talked to them about some different things, but they were having an issue with, with someone in their grove, and they were talking about it while we were, were all together. And the discussion was, you know, well... I went and talked to her, and this other person went and talked to her, and she didn't seem to understand the problem. She, she didn't acknowledge what she was doing. So um, this weekend, we're going to go to her together, and we're going to both try and explain it and see if we can come to an understanding. And, and I said, well, what will happen if, if, that, if that doesn't work? And they said, well, then the leader is going to go with us and try to explain it with a little more you know, uh, authority there to be able to say, hey, this can't happen in our community. And, and then if that doesn't work, then she's going to take it to the whole community. And the community is going to decide whether or not that can continue in our community. And I said, how biblical of you, you know, that's in the Bible. You know, I, I didn't say that wasn't, you know, I said, oh, what I actually said was, oh, Really, that's interesting because I don't know if you've heard about the idea of church discipline, and it's almost never done correctly. That's what it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to work. So when, when we start listening to other people, there, there's also this idea that if we listen to other people, then we will be drawn away by their false ideas. And yes, you have to be careful who you listen to. And I'm going, well, you have to be careful what you... You have to be cautious what you embrace. You have to be like the Bereans and test the spirits. But what did the Bereans do when Paul went to them? They sat down with the Torah and said, show us. Show us what you're saying. We need to see. What you're saying sounds interesting. A few things sound good. We're open. Talk. Having not been able to show them in Torah, they would have gone, "Mm, thanks, good luck. We wish you well, you know. Or stoned him. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm just saying, just because you sit and listen to someone doesn't mean you're beholden to suddenly take on everything they believe. I mean, just because we're looking at this end times interpretation doesn't mean I'm also saying, and we should. This is clearly true, and we should embrace this because we've read it. Now we must abide. We can be discerning. We can be thinkers. We can embrace. The idea that there's another way to say it. And then what happens if we sit and listen to someone and we ask them, well, what do you mean when you say that? What are you talking about when you, when you refer to that? Can you maybe say that another way? Some of those words I don't understand or some of those words don't make sense to me. Um, and I'm trying to understand from my perspective what you're trying to say And then what happens is we gain the ability to speak to people in that culture and explain we can use their words instead of trying to make them come and understand our words in order to believe what we're sharing. We can be 
we can be sensitive. Where maybe we're having to use a word that we feel is inadequate, we can explain why, how you know, we're using this, but I, I'm not meaning this. I'm, I'm trying to talk about this idea of it, which is really what the authors of the Bible did and what we're trying to do when we study it. This is written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and we're going, okay, this word in Greek, it means this. But this phrase is, is very clearly trying to talk about this Hebraic expression, which meant this. And when we take this and put it in this context, how does, how does that reveal the text? What does that tell us? You know, when Rashi goes, okay, this is Babylon, and I'm confident of this because Jeremiah calls it this, and we see it this here, and this is, what, and this is where he is. Okay, there's this... There's this it resonates in the spirit, and you go, yeah, that makes sense. And there's parts that we go, I don't know. But when you hear something that, like, when you hear something that is just clearly off, it's okay to go, that's just clearly off. I don't need to understand that. <laughs> you, know? you can keep walking with that idea. <laughs> I don't want to go there. But it's okay to, to honor somebody's spiritual journey and very often when you do that and when you listen to them, then they also give you the honor of listening to you. And when you're trying to bridge that, you both grow in your understanding and you may both go out from that experience describing it differently. There are so many times that different things are brought up in, in traditional Christian language and I've talked to people who are responding to that from outside of the church going, what? what the heck is, what? That sounds horrible. You're washed in blood, what? What are you doing in that building? Uh-huh. And I'm, why do, we, why do we need to hold on to that phrase that may have beautiful meaning personally, and by all means, let's put it in a poem, but why do we need to go out and make everybody comfortable saying they're washed in the blood? What, what is the benefit to the kingdom of that? Who, who is glorified in that? And if washed in the blood is offensive, say it a different way. You know, if you're talking to somebody who, who is Muslim or, or, you know, Jewish and isn't going to touch blood, <laughs> you're not going to convince them to be washed in it. It's just not going to happen. But the idea of immersion, the idea of being cleansed, the idea of atonement, they understand these concepts. And if that's what you're trying to say, well, just say it. So we've got this leopard. We've got Persia, or I mean Greece, actually, making these spotted laws. And after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. Okay, this is scary. (laughs) This is not the part of the dream. You want to wake up before there's some resolution, you know. This is the, the hallway gets longer. This is the, the it's slowly rising. Um, it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So... Rashi's thoughts say, um, because he starts this, um, after this, after this I saw in the night visions, or 
after this, I saw in the visions of the night that this is a separate dream. That he dreamed those first three and he Um, understands that this goes together, but this was a dream he had on another night. Okay. Um, the first three he saw on one night and this one on another night because it is equal to them all. So that, that's, why, that's why they think that this happened, that, that those three were of equal destruction and power and importance as this one who deserved his own dream. Um, and it had iron teeth and it crushed the ground finely and what it left over from its eating and the ten horns, so the angel, so Aram says the angel explained to him that these are the ten kings who would ascend the throne of Rome before Vespasian, or, uh, who would destroy the temple. Okay, so we're going from a destruction of the temple as they went into Babylon to a destruction of the temple with Rome. This makes sense. This resonates. This, this synthesizes with the text. This synthesizes with history. It's not random. God is a God of order. You know, there's a purpose for these dreams for Daniel that isn't just so somebody with a website in 2016 can scare people. This is, this is really, he's saying something. Um, or... It could be a world-dominating kingdom that will include Germany, Russia, and England. Since Daniel sees that the leopard is given dominion, we may also surmise that Germany will be the dominant nation in this world government. And the new horn, which we're going to get to in a second, that emerges and dominates three others, tells us that this government will be controlled by the Antichrist. The Antichrist, capital A. Or... compare this one to an animal. No. It's a zoo. Describe that at all? <laughs> it's a zoo. It's it's all of them. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and he does, he just he's like I'm not even gonna try. Mm-hmm. It had iron teeth. Mm-hmm. It was huge. It was terrifying. Imagine the strongest, scariest, most dreadful thing you can imagine, and this was worse. So it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one. Oops, hold on. I know it. I did that last week a couple times too. There we go. A little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. Okay, so there's ten horns. Mm-hmm. Then another horn comes up. It's little. Three of the first ten are plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Well, clearly that's the Antichrist. (laughs) Or we can remember that there is a spirit of Antichrist that is against the things of God all through history and rises up at various times to varying levels, will there be one ultimate rising up of the forces and the powers and the ideologies and the thoughts and the spirits against God? Sure. Okay. 
does that mean every prophecy or vision up until then is about that? Maybe there's points, but it's also about those other times. We're allowed to be warned about the other times also. We're allowed to be cautioned, you know, will those things happen in our life? Will there be things that happen that are, that are antichrist? Yes, they happen on a daily basis. Pretty sure ISIS isn't, you know, pro-Christ. It's, it's, you know, so, so let's step back and have a little more historically contextual, globally contextual look at what's going on. And, you know, is this spirit of Antichrist? Yes. Um, Rashi says, uh, oh, and I, and I love this. So, and a mouth speaking great things. Um, the, the translation here on Chabad.org is, and a mouth speaking arrogantly. Think about Nebuchadnezzar going out, and as he's saying, look at this kingdom I have amassed, and look at this palace I have created for myself. And the words are hanging there, and he's out in the field. Yeah. Okay, so he's speaking arrogantly. This horn is speaking, not speaking like generally we hear the Antichrist describe. He's speaking smooth. He's, you know, charming people. He's speaking arrogantly. Um. And, and Rashi says, words of arrogance. That is Titus, about whom the rabbis of blessed memory said that he blasphemed and berated and entered um, the helchol the with brazenness. So nobody thought he, he wasn't, he wasn't hiding his intentions. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't hiding his intentions. Belshazzar wasn't hiding his intentions. Rome wasn't hiding its intentions. It very openly persecuted the Jews. Well, Rashi had said, that was where he had said that it was uh, the ten kings who would ascend the throne of Rome before Vespasian. Vesp oh, okay. I know I'm saying that wrong. Vespasian. Um, you know, or again, or was he it's the father of Titus. I, Titus was the general in the field. I think so. And then Titus became the Titus took over. Next, yeah, he became the eleventh. Yeah, basically. yeah, the little one, the child. Mm -hmm. And three were plucked out. You know, probably the three right before him who were then taken out. So he says, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Are we supposed to do the math on that? No. It's saying, no, I don't think he was, he wasn't doing, you know, a math textbook. It wasn't, here's your math problem, Daniel. Figure out how many people were there. 
It's a lot. Like 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 I, I always say bajillion. It's it's my it's my word that it goes it goes beyond the numbers we can count. It was like all of it. It was everything. Bajillions of people. If he knew that word, he'd use it. <laughs> you know, exactly. He'd have been like this. That's what I meant, a bajillion. <laughs> and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. Okay, well what court? The court of heaven. The court we see in Job, the court we discuss at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, Rashi says, thrones were set up and established to sit in judgment, one for judgment for the nations of the world and one for charity for Israel. The Ancient of Days sat. The Holy One, blessed be he, was sitting in judgment on his kingdom, or on this kingdom and on those before it who provoked him and oppressed his children. So he's saying, there are courts that are held. This is referring to a court that is being held about Rome. Mm -hmm. um, and those that came before it, who he also had dreamed about. This whole destruction of the temple to destruction of the temple time. So it says, as white as snow, um, and because it provoked him and oppressed his children, as white as snow to, to whiten the iniquities of his people. That's what it means. The idea that his garment was white as snow or his clothing was white as snow means he had the, you know, he whitens the iniquities of his people. He is the one. And if you, when you look at this, his people have been oppressed and he is coming in to bring judgment on those who have oppressed them. He is cleansing, purifying, whitening what his people have suffered in this court. I, I, this is reparations, you know, this is, this is, it's being fixed. And the hair of his head was like clean wool. He cleanses himself of the merits that the nations have before him, and he pays them all their reward in this world. Um, fire, as translated, of fire. He's a burning fire. It's like, yeah, burning fire. Um, and at this point, the other site you know, offer some links to what will be the role of the U.S. before the second coming and, you know, order our DVD series. So going back to, <laughs> they, don't, they don't really discuss any more of it in that article. So we have um, fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court set in judgment. The books were opened. Um, and we're, we might only get through half of this book today. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed. <clears throat> so, uh, the beast, the beast that rises up, the beast we see here, the beast we see there, the beast always referring to that spirit of antichrist that is, you know, opposing God and, and in, you know, in, this, in this realm. And its body was destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Um, and he says, uh, from the sound of the haughty words that the horn was speaking, the wrath of the Ancient of Days was aroused. This is still from Chabad. And its body was destroyed to a flame of fire. So this refers to Jacob's fire. And 
And it says, as for the other beasts, their dominion was removed, meaning from other kingdoms, their dominion was removed by heaven. And he gave them time to live until a set day in the future, which will be the wars of Gog and Magog. So those, those, those other three continue. We do see that. We do see that, absolutely. Yeah, and the warring goes on. It's so prominent yet, but just wait. Well, yeah, it's it's been it's been humbled. It's probably going to be <laughs> about to get really great. Roman system in the United States is a combination of both the third and the fourth, which has continued to this day. Right, right. So he says, um, you know, and and an extension meaning it's everything's waiting. Everything's waiting for a future thing. So is there a future thing? Yeah. Should we maybe understand the visions and the prophecies about that future thing in the context of this? I think so. And as we go through Daniel, what we're going to see is, is you know, we're going to see lots of times that's not the times and times that's not the times, and there's, there's things that are parallels. Um, so he also says, uh, going back to Daniel, it says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, so another dream, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him uh, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And uh, Rashi says that is the king Messiah who is sitting in judgment and judging the nations. Um, and he, he arrives. And to that man, he gave dominion over the nations, for the heathens he likens to beasts, and Israel he likens to a man, because they are humble and innocent. Um, so, so Rashi says that, that um, the man who comes up, who is given, uh, to, meaning when it, at this point he sees that Messiah then gives Israel, uh, dominion and glory and the kingdom uh, which is where it's really important to understand that Paul says that those who believe are grafted in <laughs> to Israel not some new thing yeah. otherwise if you're a different thing you're not going to have that <laughs> that position and he says um, so glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him and again, not serve him as in, I'm the boss and you're going to, I finally get my revenge. You're going to do what I say. But we were looking at the Torah, the, some commentary on the Torah portion for this week. And the idea that the word that is chosen, that translated chosen also means, um, oh, what was the, oh, I can't think of the word now. But basically it, it had to do with being an example like it had to do with, you're supposed to be living this out. You're supposed to be letting other people see this. You're supposed to be like the first that inspires the others, you know. And so this idea that it will draw them in, that they, they will, all the people will come and join this. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Um, so we are at noon and we're at the second half where he's going to interpret it 
So when we go back and do this, we can look at that in comparison to the two things. But we can go ahead and do that next week because I don't, we don't need, unless, unless everybody wants to stay and give you, I don't know if you guys have places to go or. No, we can keep going. I, I'm good. So it's, we're halfway through and I think the next half is going to go a little faster because it's him, you know, in light of how he interprets it, we can think about the other two things we've read and go, you know, oh yeah, that makes sense. What's he talking about? <laughs> so he says, um, so his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. And going into 15. It says, as for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. So another thing, when you're dealing with prophecy, Daniel, who had this dream, didn't come out of it and go, oh, I know what that means. Let's go do it. You know, I'm writing this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out a tweet to everybody and tell them what's coming. You know, he was aware that this was a very weighty thing. That, that this was a big deal. He, he was being shown some things that terrified him. Not just that terrifying beast, but the big picture of what he was seeing, which he understood. As I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth, uh, and the visions of my head alarmed me, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. So far that sounds like Rashi's interpretation. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things. Oops, going to kick me back. Hold on. Uh really go forward okay um and or or arrogant things and that seemed greater than its companions as i looked this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the ancient of days came and judgment was given for the saints of the most high and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom so he's still stating you know restating the dream he's summarizing the dream with a little more detail in a couple of spots but but he's still not saying, oh, I understand what this means now. He's saying, okay, what about this one that did these things? Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. Now this is also where people get the 
three and a half years, but there's no talk of seven years in this. It just says he's going to reign for this long, and then he's going to be taken down, consumed and destroyed to the end. So when we get to the, you know, when we get to the seven years divided in half, we're going to need to see, does this really reconcile with that as what that three and a half years means? Because this seems to be resolved here. <laughs> and, you know, consumed and destroyed to the end. So the last two verses, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. Okay? Here's the end of the matter. We don't get to reinterpret it. Okay? We don't get to decide it means something other than what he's saying it means. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Okay? So he knew this wasn't to be, it wasn't for sharing at that time. He wrote it down later when all of his stuff was found and compiled. This was one of the things. You know, there was probably not a sticky note saying, make sure you publish this in that Bible you're putting together because those people in America in 2016 need to know these things. Okay, that was the end of the matter. Daniel kept it in his heart. I always thought it's interesting that when Nebuchadnezzar had his dream about basically the same thing. Right. His was of material things. Gold, silver, what was the next one? Brass. Uh, bronze, bronze and iron. Bronze and then iron. I mm -hmm. mean, it was things idols are made of. Right, right. He and was thinking was, about the leaders and the and, gods and, of but, it. And it was from yeah. a, a worldly perspective, uh -huh. whereas from God's perspective or from a heavenly perspective, they're all referred to as animals or beasts. Right. And and that and that not be not being prophecy meaning he didn't go see it, you know, he wasn't standing in the throne room. So kind of even more even in that middle area where where it's spirits and ideas and and nations and peoples and philosophies and and yeah, it had teeth of iron, but <laughs> but it was you know, yeah, that's that's a great a great distinction. Because it, it, and it is the same. And, and in a sense, it's kind of a confirmation because Nebuchadnezzar had the dream. Now he had this dream when Belshazzar was king. So God's saying, here's a little more insight. Still happening. Still what you talked about before. Probably partly why he's scared because now what is, you know, when God says something one time, you should listen. When he says two, then he's made sure you know what he means. When he says three, you know, well, we're going <laughs> to get to more. So now this is, this is the second time he's had this dream of these four nations. This is the second time that he's seen this progression of what's coming. And now he's going, okay, God's showing me something here. God's doing something. Yeah. 
I don't know. I I have a hard time, and this this is I have a hard time. You know, a lot of times people will send different links about end time stuff or, or prophecy stuff or this, that, and the other. I'm like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't even know how to answer. <laughs> it's like I've never read the book The Harbinger because when you start yeah. dragging that the United States somehow is a significant thing, and, and which it is, we're a world right. power right now. <laughs> we're not insignificant. It's part, but... it's part of God's plan. It's part of how it is. But to, to take scriptures, and I mean... So it's, I know it's more than coincidental that you can take these prophecies from Jeremiah or wherever mm-hmm. um, Jonathan Kahn got that information, you know, got those prophecies. Yeah, I haven't read And it you either, can apply but... it directly to what has happened since 9-11. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. It, because there's patterns, and they repeat, and the Antichrist doesn't whole, have a new plan. That's the whole idea of our <laughs> festivals. I mean, it's just sick. Right, it, it right. It keeps repeating over and over again. So, like, yeah, was it... Only what Daniel saw relating to his time or to our time, the answer is both. Both, right. It continues to cycle. But if you don't understand it in his time, you're going to misunderstand it in our time. You know, even at the end of that dream, it's talking about the power taking over the times and the laws. Okay, and as we go in and we look at the passages that refer to the time of the Maccabees and the things that they were not allowed to do, and then you go into the destruction of the temple and the things that it was illegal to do. Well, maybe instead of trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, we should be looking for it becoming illegal to do these things. Yeah, I guess between Daniel and Jonathan Kahn, all the things in between that, you know, depending on how we look at it, looking at it like from this perspective, you get to see those patterns come to life. Right. And, and so now in our, in our own time and day, we can, we can recognize those patterns more readily and yeah, maybe be able to prepare our hearts and minds for anything. Well, and it's kind of different example, but, but yes, you know, when, when you are used to dealing with let's say a particular illness and you know, Oh, it comes on like this and it progresses like this. And and then this happens. Um, and you encounter someone and they're, well, did this happen? This is why doctors ask these questions, you know, how did it progress? Well, you have this, I know because it's the pattern. I know because this is what I see every time. That's the issue. We'll run the test, but this is, I'm pretty sure this is what you have. But when you're the person who hasn't studied that and doesn't know the patterns, you go, I don't know what I have. I might be dying, you know, and, or, you know, it's probably nothing. I've had a cough for eight weeks, but you know, it's not a big deal. And either of those responses is not a good, healthy response when it's physical or when it's spiritual. When we read Revelation, we don't need to run around screaming that that we're all going to (laughs) die. We shouldn't be like, yeah, you know, what is, what is it? The, um, I, I'm pan-millennial. It'll all pan out in the end, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because if we don't know those patterns, if we're not aware that something is going to happen, if we're just assuming, you know, our pastor will let us know when it's happening, then <laughs> or, or, you know, the clouds will part and something's going to, ha- you know, some big hand's going to come down and poke us and go, it's time. You know, then we're gonna we'll be like, wait, what are you getting upset about? What's that? Why does it matter that 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 the Jewish people can't celebrate 
Yom Kippur this year. Who, who cares? So what? I don't celebrate Yom Kippur. It doesn't affect me. You know, saying happy holidays instead of Christmas? Complete, complete derailment. <laughs> Not at all the point. But you start making it illegal to study Torah. You start making it illegal to keep the Jewish calendar. You're going to have my attention. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be very tuned in and wondering what your next thought is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Come eat our food. Yes, come eat our food. It's mm -hmm. from the king. Oh my gosh, it makes so much better. <laughs> now we're going to eat our breakfast. Now we're just going to eat our asparagus yeah, over here. Take our medicine. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know. Yep. Tanya had an interesting. Um, man, my phone died, so she can't add into this, but. She came home and she was upset because um, she couldn't find her, her baby's, her, her newborn baby Sky is eight, nine months now, and she couldn't find her social security card, so she's like mad at herself for that. So she's like, okay, I have to go down to the office and get it. So she takes off from work, she goes down to the office with the baby, and she has all these documents of her birth and her footprints and the signature of the doctor and stuff. And the people were like, we do not accept that as an ID for your kid to get their social. And she's like, but what about their birth certificate? He's like, that just proves that they're born. We don't accept that either. And she was like, well, then what can I give you? You won't take nothing from me. All these documents, all these doctor's signatures, my kid's alive. She's actually right here. Mm -hmm. What do you not, what do you accept? And he says, vaccination, um, uh, mm -hmm. a list of your vaccinations. No. They also will accept. So he's like, go, he said, he said and, and actually he told her to go down the street and go get her vaccination record, come back, and he'll give her the baby's social. They also take church records. A baptismal or a dedication then, record, yeah. So Tanya was like freaking out. I have a seal. Baby's never had a <laughs> shot ever for right. anything, and she's and so what a lot of people do is they'll take that, they'll go down, they'll get their baby some shots, and come back and get their social. But um, I think somebody was getting a kickback from a doctor because there's other stuff they can get. Into. It was yeah, it was crazy because they were kicking back her and this other lady. They were just kicking back everything. Oh, we're not gonna take that. You have to get vaccinated. That's so the so only weird. thing they told her and the other lady was vaccination, vaccination. That's vaccination. so weird. Then some, some time was like sifting through papers. Yep, yep. And she found the hearing test. And she's like, what about this? Can you take this? Yeah, this guy, is it from a doctor. He stared at it for quite some time. Because they can. Like, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. Oh yeah. What kind of pushback? You have to have the birth certificate, but you have to have something else also. Yeah, because you have to prove that they're still living yeah, or some kind of thing like that. Yeah. It was, a, it yeah. was crazy. And I, I just had, was like, wow, it's funny that they see, I don't understand how people well, Fiona, vaccinations. Like, I know. I must well, they just have fake documents. But my, my uh, when Fiona was born, because she was a home birth, I had to go get her. We were trying to file our taxes early, so I went down to get her social her I, In order to get her social security card, I had to have the birth certificate. Right. And then the midwife had put in for it, and they would have mailed it to us, but we were going to get it sooner. And so I went down there, and I had the kids, and, and I explained the situation. And they said, well, what hospital was she born in? And I said, I just told you she was a home birth. I said, the midwife sent in the paperwork. It's somewhere in your system. You have it. And they said, oh, well, we need, we need proof of the birth. And I said, well, I, I have baby. 
<laughs> he said, oh, lots of homeless people will rent their children out to, to people to go and get fake birth certificates. And I said, I've been sitting in the lobby nursing her for the three hours I've been waiting. Did you, like, I'm not nursing some homeless kid's baby. <laughs> and, and they were like, well, you know, and they said, do you have the medical records? I said, you know, no, we're, we're contraindicated. We don't do that. I said, okay, well, you don't have the proof of the birth. You don't have this. They said, do you have a baptismal certificate? I said, well, we don't baptize our infants. Um, we do baby dedication, but I'm the pastor. If you want to hand me a sticky note, I'd be happy to write something out because it'll be me printing and signing it at home. Right. And they go, oh, well, um, do you have this? And I'm like, well, we don't do that. Do you have this? And I'm like, we're not part of that. Do you have this? I'm like, no. And finally I said, how about this? I'm going to go home, get her birth video. You can watch her come out of me, and then there'll be no question. And she went, like her eyes did the deer in the head. She said, I'm just going to take your word for it. Oh. <laughs> well, that would work, but did you put her foot up against the lens? So we can yeah. Right. Make sure this is that baby. <laughs> I was like, I, I can go home and make the documents, or, you know, I can write them out. It's me going to sign it. You know, what, what do you want? Yeah, but you know how you, you just gave me more options. Yeah. Yeah. You just gave me more options just right off the bat. Oh, they could use this, this, and that. Right, they right. They didn't do that for her. They just no, they wouldn't for most people, though. Vaccinations. <laughs> I just kept going. That can't be. I, I kept demanding. That can't be all you can take. That can't be all you can take. That's ridiculous. Not everybody has that. Not everybody is part of a church that baptizes. What else do, What else you got for me, you know? <laughs> but if people don't know to ask or don't think to ask, like when she came up with something, then they're like, oh, yeah, we, we can take that. We don't want to, but yeah, we can. Yes. Yes, they've never been asked that before. So then they're like, I guess technically that meets the criteria. Mm-hmm. But it's it it is it's so the hearing test met the criteria because it was a doctor. A doctor had to sign it, administer it, and sign it. Mm-hmm. It was a formal printed it thing. Shows you the priority of the system. Yes, the healthcare system is very high on the mm-hmm. All the doctors educated in it that we trust that, and you're part of that system, right? So. Right. We trust the pastor, or not, I mean, we trust the pastors of the recognized churches. We trust the doctors. We don't trust the people. We don't, we don't trust the people at all. So, I mean, not that we always should trust the people because we need to have discernment, but discernment is very different from you meet our, it's, it's the difference between reading Paul's requirements for pastors as a checklist of life status as opposed to a list of character qualities. It's saying, well, they've never been divorced. We're going to ignore the fact that they're neglecting their children and abusive of their spouse. They're not divorced. That's the important part that God had in mind. You know, the children are obeying him because they're terrified, and he's going to beat them if they don't, so obeys him as opposed to sees the private man and shows whether they respect them or not, which might be a little more important for somebody who is teaching. Um... You know, especially when they go on to say because how he how they treat their family is how they will treat the church, mm-hmm. and how many churches are neglected and beaten and <laughs> yeah. expected to obey without question. Mm-hmm. And well, that's the criteria we've had. They they met our little checklist. Why isn't this working? But wait a minute. When a child is born in this country, don't they automatically get that number? That's they what have the 
They kind of. The, the hospital or the midwife has to put in for it, and then you have to wait, but it takes a long time to do. And Fiona was born December 21st, and we needed our tax money right away. So, so we needed to file it. We were probably going to get her birth certificate in March. They don't automatically give you a social security card. No, you have to go apply for the social security card, but you have to get the social or get the birth certificate before you can. I don't know, like our son, our daughter, they they had the stuff right there at the in the room. They were filling it out to get the number right away. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost when you like, don't get a social. You can't claim them on the taxes and get the child tax credit. And you can't travel, right? You can. So you can still travel without a social. Yeah. You have to have a passport. And they're going to ask for the, your social security. You have that's what that's the easiest, most ready form of ID most people have, but it's only one of the things you need. Oh. You can. There's a whole list of other stuff you can get. So I mean, really, if you think about it, our system we have where it is does save in some places where you won't be able to buy and sell without a mark. Yeah. You have a, a nine-digit number. Yeah. That's one of them. And when you combine it with your nine-digit zip code, which locates you on the planet, you've got 18 divided by three, which is 666. <laughs> you can come up with any... You can come up with any... And by golly, right. if you don't have those things, you can't buy and sell you in the system. You can't. You can't. You really can't. Did I? No. They're flowers. They're flowers. She's a she's a hippie. I actually had I had a case that matched it, but it broke. So this is all broken. I have to get a new one because my fingers rub off my chemicals on my fingers rub off the letters, and I kept having to get it replaced. Totally different process. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to raise our kids, but when our grandchildren come, we just. I know. I know they get shot. I'm so mad. It's so different. Oh my God. I am going to stop the recording real quick. I want to keep talking. I'm enjoying this, but I don't want yeah. people listening. They don't need to hear our okay. chatting. But may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Amen.